When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, welcome to After the Deluge. Our guests today are Per Davidson and Justin Corwin. Say hello, friends. Hi. Hello, hello. Awesome. So we had kind of early on in this series, we had an episode with featuring Justin, who's here today, about songs that were not on those records. I mean, when those first records were coming out, the first one's a collection of songs, the next one's a record, and the next one's a record. There are EPs and singles and things scattered all throughout that, like in a kind of in a crazy way. And Justin actually like it was a really valuable thing to have that conversation and just kind of drive that full point home. This this thing where he's doing that in between records is going to start slowing down right around after this period where I'm getting to in the series. But there are a bunch more up to this point. Like I I just two days ago recorded the Casadega episode and Mm -hmm. um between I'm Wide Awake, It's Morning and Casadega, we get a, uh, a bunch of them. And so at first I was thinking about just like doing some more EP songs and stuff up until this point. But really what I want to do is just a catch all. I-, I wanted to ask you two who have had thoughtful conversations with about this band, this artist, um, about some songs that aren't on these records because I'm talking about them record by record. But in reality, this is a, this is a an artist whose discography is not purely defined by those official records especially for people who really really love connor oberst and bright eyes that makes sense yeah i think connor did everyone a favor by putting out the motion sickness rarities album it kind of clued everyone in and that hey there's all this other stuff out there too um so i think it's it's mainstream enough to go beyond the albums with bright eyes and so the thing that I'll say about myself, so what we're going to do is I had them, I had each of you two pick a few songs each. And so we're going to kind of just bounce back and forth between you two. And you can just kind of introduce, talk about a song. Um, it'll go in a loosely chronological order, but not exactly because we're just we're just kind of sharing here. And yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll cut in some music. and It'll be, be a good chance to get introduced to some of that music for people who haven't or to appreciate and enjoy and remember mm-hmm. that music for people who care a ton about it. Um, and I will say... That I I'm 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 aware of all of these EPs and and um, split records and and uh, B sides and stuff like that, but not to the degree that I am the formal releases. So this is a cool thing just for me specifically. Um, per, what's your first song you want to talk about? Uh, the first song I want to talk about is Entryway Song. Woo! <laughs> um, I have written in my notes here that this song is everything that first day of my life pretends to be. <laughs> I, <laughs> shots fired <laughs> i realized that bo- that is both a little harsh and also not correct as i think these songs uh, aim to be quite different things but if you are going to listen to just one song by bright eyes that is like a sincere expression of love uh, this should be the one um and of course yeah as i said <laughs> no real point of pitting these two songs uh, against each other 
but a lot of the praise given to first day of my life, I think, will be a lot better spent on this song. Uh, and sure, it's not about a romantic love interest, but it's about his uh, father, which I actually didn't realize until years uh, after having ha after having listened to it uh, for years. And I think that might say more about me than about the, the song. Uh, because there are some obvious tells in there, but I think the fact that I did not notice this uh, says something about how like universal this, like what yeah. a universal statement of affection this still is in such a sincere and beautiful way. Sorry. I think I think with the way you described it as a sincere expression of love and that there's a universality to it. I'm like, sure, it's not trying to be exactly what first day of my life is, but those are things those songs share. So I think that's a good point. And it also has much better uh, lines, such as, you are the peace that I have found when all these voices talk too loud. And keep me still like an anchor in the storm, you're the seller. Uh, so yeah, those are some of the best lines about love I've ever heard, like, regardless of who they are, are aimed for. And it's just full of lines uh, like that. And once again, just the comparison to first day of my life, it's so it's, it's vague. This song is just like a real cool list of things that one could appreciate from someone in a relationship. Last Saturday I stood in your entryway A place where we used to wait For cars to carry us away Like once in the storm They drove me and Justin home The music was just being born it was all I was longing for. Now I'm on a plane. It's cool that it like, sort of comes from a place of, uh, of worry. It's not just this, you know, everything's amazing. I'm so, I feel so much love for you. But it's like, uh, it is really beautiful to say that someone holds you still like an anchor. But that also signals, like, it's a little concern that someone needs someone to hold them still and, and be an anchor for them. And like, I think it's cool that the music is a bit toned down. There's not that much going on here it's kind of monotone and not much happening uh the singing is also a bit toned down but i think that builds a lot of atmosphere and i think it was really interesting you talked about first day of my life i'll stop dunking on that song now because I, I like it too <laughs> but uh it is a minor bright eye song in my in my view but you said it's like in the episode uh when you talked about uh, wide awake it's morning how like it's um it was so unusual like in 2005 being that like sincere when you talk about I think uh, so. love like that. And I think in this song, he's even more like sincere and, and vulnerable. I and I thought about this song already when I listened to the episode uh, you did, that we talked about how Connor, yeah, you talked about his other non-album songs and Connor seeking support uh, for his depression, et cetera, and suicidal thoughts from his family uh, and his parents. And I think this song is definitely a continuation of that. I also think it refers to... Uh, his father visiting him at the at the hospital. Yeah, I think like singing about how your family saves you is, is pretty unusual, especially if you're like a cool indie kid in, in your 20s. Like that doesn't really come with like, you know, <laughs> yeah. indie cred, especially not in, in that. Like, you know, yeah, I was feeling sad, but then I talked to my mom and my dad and now I feel better. That's a bit like, you know, the Simpsons episode when Milhouse says his mom says he's the handsomest 
this guy in, in school. <laughs> same vibes. Uh, could be. I mean, if you want to make a pile of this, those are similar. <laughs> you're the pool of the water. You're the start of the summer. Keep me still like an anchor in the storm. You're the cellar. When I'm heavy with worry, make me light as a feather. When I'm dead, I mean, no way saying that this is cringe. I mean, I think it's amazing no. that people can find support in their family. But I think it's usual if you're like a cool indie kid in your early 20s, your parents are not the one you're sort of talk about how you're seeking validation especially the punk emo scenes yeah <laughs> it's very unusual <laughs> and i think that's also uh brings us back to to what you talked about in the fevers and mirrors episode and what we returned to in the digital digital ash episode that like to be a songwriter like an amazing songwriter at this level you both have to have this talent and you also have to be able to turn up the part of your brain that asks like is this cringe like how will, will this appear cool to others so you have to sort of be able to turn that off. I, 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 um, I, I think this is another example of, of how Connor can. Brightest is kind of the quintessential example of that, that like existed in some kind of cool indie scene, but also was that. It was like this vulnerable, sometimes sincere. It, it walked some some line that is, and this is a song that's like very starkly that. What it? What is it on? Like I, I had that it should have been on noise floor. Like I feel like I've seen art from something, but I can't, I couldn't find it on a streaming app at least. Uh, yeah, it is a noise floor. And for some weird reason, it's not on the Spotify version. It, it was on the vinyl. Any song that he specifically refers to his parents like that, he tends to bury. <laughs> I mean, I can oh, think okay. of uh, the two songs we talked about the last episode I appeared on. Um, both those songs talk about his parents extensively. Um, that he, those are hidden songs. And this is another example of like an A-plus song that, yeah, it came out on Motion Sickness, but only on the vinyl. <laughs> you know, it's like it, it is kind of incredible that he has such strong feelings and affection towards his parents. And they're so they're so wrapped up in, in part of his mental health journey. But yet the songs that really talk about that connection with the with a couple exceptions, he really goes out of his way to bury. I think it's just too painful for those to be out there. He doesn't want to hear it on the radio. He doesn't want his mom to hear it on the radio going into the store someday or something. I don't know. Um, you know, when this came out, I was I had just started dating a girl who had had a child. I, I signed up to be a dad pretty, pretty early. And uh, this song, I didn't have a whole lot of male father figures that uh, I could truly say, that's the kind of dad I want to be. Hearing the words in this song, it's like, that's the kind of dad I want to be. I want my kids to say that about me. Um, so it's kind of weird. It's a weird song for me because it's, <laughs> I, I think I relate to it in a different way than a lot of other people do. Um, but that's how I took it. And that's why I found it so powerful and I don't know if I lived up to it completely, but uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I will say that, you know, when when my kids went through some real challenges, um, I did show up the way that his dad showed up for him. Um, and I would hope that they would say that about me. <laughs> you know? That is an amazing way to like to hear the song, identify with it, not as the young person singing about their dad, but as the person becoming a dad in that moment, thinking about, I don't know, it's kind of as an example to pull from that's super unique way to relate to that song yeah it's kind of bizarre and kind of cringy to even say it out loud but that's the truth with me with this song <laughs> it's an amazing song you're gonna bury bury this podcast and hide it from <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this episode will only go on the vinyl so <laughs> there you go 
All right, so we're gonna jump to your your first song, Justin. So my song, my first song is Southern State. And Southern State is a very old song. Uh, written, came out on an EP in 2002. Um, recorded right after the Lifted sessions. So we did a, a, a small EP with, I think, Britt Daniels. It's, it's not great. Um, the, the words, the songwriting is all there. But this is a really good example of why Bright Eyes needed to pretty up their sound. They needed to go into a more delicate, cleaner sound because he was writing songs that benefited from that. And if you listen to the, the old studio version of this um, compared to what we got on the live album, I think that it's, it's amazing how the, the basic arrangement is exactly the same. The words are almost exactly the same, if not exactly the same. But it's completely transformed, I think, by by adding in all of that pristine, delicate instru instrumentation, a clarity of the vocal. Um, and it's clear that Connor sung it quite a few times. It's a very nuanced song. And Connor nails it so perfectly on that live album. I don't know how anyone can say he's a bad singer after listening to that performance. I mean, it's a live performance. Listen to the nuance in each word, each line. It's incredible to me. The songs you sung spiraled and hung round like echoes or ripples on a pond. And so you circled the globe, spent a year on the road without ever going home. More than a couple of days and you leave right away, run to a girl you barely know. But you like how she sings and you can't help but think that there's something that she knows and could teach you now. You're sleeping in that southern state where the bars are filled with people you can't hate. But try as you try, you still can't relate to them. You drink that whiskey down as they ask you. And all of that is somehow lost on that, on that earlier uh, studio thing. Even though it's old, 2002 is when it was written. I think that kind of does spell out a lot of his experiences on the road and being outside of Omaha. He basically creates a little, little new mini family in each in each city he spends a, a significant amount of time in. And in this case, he feels sorry for the person that he's I'm assuming shacking up with in that song. Um, <laughs> he talks about this thing a lot about his you know how he's going to drink himself to death i mean these are these are very reoccurring themes but he's he's putting it on he can't talk about that relationship without talking about that because that is what is wrapped up into that relationship because she's in some sense i guess enabling him but also the lack of judgment means that he could probably heal and that she probably has some things to teach him that he could learn i think he says that in that song um it's a very, very romantic song for a relationship that you know is not going to last very long. Um, that's the way I would put it. It's like you find these perfect friendships that you can cocoon up and, and let your flaws exist. And yeah, that person's not going to push you to get better. But right now, I don't exactly need that. I'm going to learn something else from this person. Um, and I love that aspect of the that song. First off, the stuff about the sound of it is, it, yeah, you can you listen to it, and you can forget that you're hearing something that's being played live. It's like gorgeous. It's amazing. And Nate Wal Walcott's uh, his horn uh, solo is just 
phenomenal. One of my favorite moments. Of the fact that we can't tell makes us like you even more. incredible to me i come from a metal background and you know it's incredible to me when i was learning to love folk music and really getting into slow stuff like this because uh, you get on stage you got the adrenaline running through you plus whatever else you took that day i cannot i could never figure out how these these musicians could slow down to do <laughs> something like that in the middle of all the hype and i mean He's not playing a coffee shop anymore. <laughs> he's, he's playing pretty big shows around that time. And I just can't imagine how he could go into that space and do like this delicate waltz thing. Um, like he's performing, performing with no one there. It's, it's an incredible song. Um, I think it's something that I miss a little bit from uh, the last tour. I love the big bright eyes, uh, 15 people on stage extravaganza. love it. But I, I do I do think that they they built a new kind of magic with some of these really quiet, delicate songs like that. I really like this song as well. I actually also like the studio version probably as much as the live uh, version. I think they have different qualities, but I, I just love the line. Uh, now you're giving advice as if you had the right to use a word like love. I have paraphrased that a gazillion times, changed the word love for something else, but I think that line is just so, uh, it, it's powerful and I, 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 yeah, that's my I'm I'm like dense in this in this way sometimes, or or I think maybe I don't, I don't need definitive answers in these ways, but I honestly didn't take, I'm going to go read the lyrics after this and it's going to be obvious now that we're talking, but I, I, something I love about songwriting is you can like someone can sing from the first person about themselves in a way that is confessional or in a way that is saying the opposite thing they want to say to drive a point, or they could sing from another perspective about themselves. And there's like, and be sincere or, or like you can flip these things to be like expressing your point, but doing it in any of these ways. Like I thought of it as him singing in like whatever second person about him as a person removed from himself, I didn't really think about the person narrating it being that person, which is going to be dumb when I go back to, to read it again. But I like, it's a, it's a super powerful way to be thinking about analyzing what your life is like at a given moment. And like, he's talking about these parts where he's in the bar in the, in the South and wanting like this nuanced feeling of wanting to dislike, but not able to, but it's <laughs> trippy. It's so that's such a weird level of detail to put into like two lines of a song and know what he's getting at with it. You know, you, you can probably cut this, but uh, you know, I, for a couple of years, I, I spent a lot of time out in the, in the middle East working out there. And um, I kind of related to that part of the song, you know, you're, you're really thrown into a different culture and, and in a lot of ways, a lot of the, the, the political system and, you know, the lack of human rights out in Saudi Arabia is where I was based. So you, you kind of go in and, and I'm an agnostic. So, you know, my beliefs are punishable by death there and I'm living there. 
you want to you kind of want to like be angry about it but i couldn't help it i like i can't hate these people i the humans are humans and it's like it was weird for me i thought i'd be more ticked off about everything but uh it's amazing how you can you can find some commonality hey we're all in this bar together nothing who cares right (laughs) Just, just basic stuff like that it's like it's easy to hate when you're when you're on the other side of the world in a blog but go live there for a little bit. You, you, people are people, you know? I think that's what Connor's getting at here. Is he can't believe he's actually enjoying being around, you know, because he always talks about how much he despises the deep South, you know? So as a- <laughs> that's true. He's he's like come kind of like direct with some of that stuff, but he also, that it's a- yes, especially I don't know, on stage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, but that, but that like really what the world is, is like, if you don't know about something, you flatten it into something binary and have some simplistic opinion about it. And then if you learn about that thing, you then realize, oh, nothing's that simple. You can't, you can't just broadly hate a bunch of people. There's not, that's no better than anything. It's probably what a lot of people are having to do right now to square their uh, feelings about the world cup. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I mean, this is supposed to take place in Athens, Georgia, right? So a pretty like liberal area of the south i don't know how much you're right college town enclave liberal area of the south but still he's whatever he's he's presenting that scene in a way that is him like trying to have some prejudice but yeah maybe yes. he's i don't know it's a minor point to, ha- to harp on but uh i just i think that's always kind of cool that's a cool line per on to your next all right so i'm gonna talk about another early song which is motion sickness If you are into getting a Bright Eyes zine, some extra content, or if you just want to support the creation of this show, go to patreon.com slash after the deluge. It's just one $5 tier, super simple, easy. Thank you for the support. I really like how this song is also like so so vague. It's like singing is kind of mumbling. The music is also kind of mumbling in a way, if you can say that about music, but it still creates this like really cool... uh, atmosphere and it's something like really uncanny about it that i really appreciate the whole thing feels like ominous and haunting or like someone wrote in the i checked today that the youtube comments of the song and someone wrote that uh, every time i hear this it's like a hot iron piercing my chest not necessarily a bad thing just amazing how beautiful this is and i think i can gotta love uh, gotta, people really bring it on youtube comments <laughs> I wanna get myself attached to something bolted down. So these winds of circumstance keep blowing me around. The outro is like 90 seconds, so you started the same thing. The outro, the outro is super affecting in some way to me that I don't really understand. Cause like, I think it contrasts what you're hearing in that the, the way you just described the song is great. And then you're getting these, like the sirens and the laughter and the like loud cough, like peaking in the, like they, and then, and then you get like the laughter at the very end that just sounds really authentically happy in some <laughs> way that, yeah, it's, I, I love that outro. <laughs> Especially after that, like 
those last words uh, when he sings about wanting to get attached to something bolted down so that the winds of circumstance stop blowing him around. And um, I keep running around, but all I want is to lay motionless. And then you have this long uh, outro, and then you have like those sounds to sort of like I have like this ritual related to this uh, song. Every time I I move, uh, like the very last thing I do is to like I sit in the empty apartment. After I've emptied it, I sit in the apartment and I listen to this song once. And that's like the last. Oh, thing that's I did cool. That's I really leave. cool. So Love highly recommended. Very very atmospheric. That sounds great. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. So want to jump over to your next one, Justin? I believe my next one is Tourist Trap. Um, sure is. <laughs> speaking of moving. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. It felt like it felt like it segued itself. Yeah, that was good. That was good. Uh, what to say about Tourist Trap? It, it, it's easily one of my favorite uh, songs Connor's ever wrote. I cannot believe it's not on Casadega. Uh, <laughs> it's shocking to me. I agree. I Me too. You know, I, I know that we don't want to talk about non-Bright Eyes stuff on here, but I do want to call out that this kind of connects to um, Greater Omaha. Uh, I'm going to mispronounce the name of that band. How do you say that, darn? <laughs> Desaparecidos. Thank you. Yes. he. You know, he's already feeling that he's losing his hometown back in 2002 when he made that song. Uh, <laughs> so it, it compound the, the basic the basic change of small towns becoming bigger towns, uh, especially around that time. I think a lot of towns kind of lost a lot of their local flavor. And you can hear Connor arguing with one of his bandmates on that record about, you know, hey, it's time for the town to grow up and get some Starbucks in here. And Connor's like, <laughs> ah, fuck that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, th- there's no stopping that. I think that happened everywhere. And when he comes back from the, um, from the wide awake and digital ash period and all that touring and living in New York. And he comes back. Not only does it completely look different, everything that he feared came true. <laughs> it's not the road. He used to know they tore some old buildings down, probably replaced with a Starbucks. He's not angry. He's really sad about it, but he, he's mostly sad that that same feeling about losing those buildings, he kind of feels that way about the relationships he left behind. And uh, I think a lot of people go through that churn after college. You, you, you built these friendships with these people that you grew up with or went to college with, formative experiences. You, you know, you saw each other cry, you saw each other puke, saw each other, you know, get your heart broken. It's a pretty family-esque type uh, knowledge that you share with these people. But after college, we all have to go on our own journey. And sometimes you come back and you're like, we're still we're still friends but man i it's not the same it yeah. really is not the same and mourning that loss of that 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 true connection especially coming from connor who's saying so much about how friendship was going to save the day on lifted i mean the entire ethos of and the idea of saddle creek is that they're all going to conquer the world together and he's he's realized that because he's because his success has put him on a path so different than a lot of the other um, Settle Creek artists and, and uh, putting him away from, from Omaha, you know, completely. Like, as we're talking right now, like we're talking about tourist trap, motion sickness, Southern state. Like I don't even really, as you guys picked these songs tied, like there's this sort of transitory moving away coming. And this one is about directly back at his home in Omaha, but like, 
a lot of those songs are about comings and goings and the feelings of like not just comings and goings and touring and stuff but like what does what does a place that was home mean to you when you're now there and it doesn't feel like the home that it was and 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 that concept of home he was crafting in a way to build as like <laughs> almost a religion type idea an inspirational uh you know building a new family i mean <laughs> again i don't want to harp on it too much but i mean the ethos about about lifted and and you know friends coming together and building a, a new family and and they're going to lift each other up i mean he wasn't joking <laughs> like he really thought that was his salvation at the time and now he's realizing that he's kind of traded that it, it wasn't going to last and he can't really go back and i don't i don't know of any other song that's captured that as well as this song and all the atmosphere too. It's, I love, I love the extra percussion in there. I love uh, M Ward's harmonica, which sounds like it's played, you know, a state away. It's not played in the room. His friends aren't in the room. They're a memory. It's, it sounds so distant. Um, Damn it, Justin. I don't know how you, I don't know how you do that. That is so, you're so right. It feels that way. It's that loneliness. And I, I gotta say that as I've, as I've gotten older, I feel that sadness a lot more than the earlier angst sadness. In the road finally gave me back But I don't think I'll unpack Cause I'm not sure if I live here anymore The only physical Bright Eyes like, CD I ever went and bought in real time was Casadega, which people will know by the time they hear this because that episode came out, but... It came with, it was the kind of situation where it came with the Four Winds EP. It was, it was okay. in the shrink wrap together. It had both of them. And I describe in that episode, when you eventually hear it, that like Casadega was has an uphill battle for me. And it's a, it's, it's an uphill battle and not even one that I ever fully got all the way over the other end of the hill and came to just fully, fully love as much as I love a lot of it and, and respect what it is. This song, like the, last song on the little ep that came with it that i didn't even know i was getting when i bought it i yeah. fell in love with it's yeah, so atmospheric is right i fell in love with it and i live in a small town i lived in a small town at the time and was coming back to it from college that was changing starting to change in that same way and really more than anything though it was the the feel of it like you described the percussion i think that was a little bit beyond me like it's this is different and not totally analog, but also very subtle, subtly there. And yes. just loved loved this song a lot. I was really glad you picked it. Pretty guy, you like that song? What do you think of that one? I'm mostly feeling stupid right now because I've always pictured this song to be set in New York City. I, I it makes sense now, totally thinking about the lyrics and everything you say that this is definitely set in Omaha. So I'm not going to argue here. Oh, interesting. Okay. And while I wake this morning, it's like a New York album, and this came out slightly after or like Casadega. So I just thought that this was about his New York life, and the song just makes a lot more sense now. Yeah, I really don't know what to say. Speaking of though, uh, you said like this is the his best description of that, like coming back to Omaha. I think on one of his solo records, the song One of My Kind talks about that, but a lot less poetic, much more bitter. <laughs> like the, too many broke friends who think they owe me and like they, they called me <laughs> brother, like Shane and Abel. So yeah, if you want to hear like the same story, but without the poetic retelling of, of this feeling, listen to that song. Yeah. Well, let's go over to your third song, Claire. Uh, this is the song, The Trees Get Wheeled Away. Anchorman sparks their blood where mass of mud cucumbers cut fit their eyes and so no one would know 
how tired they've grown of talking and telling and to me this is like this song that defines what bright eyes is both when it comes to music and lyrics uh the best version is when he played this on letterman in 2003 uh, this can be found on YouTube. I saw that on the live broadcast. Ooh. I actually stayed up to watch that one. What was the reason he was on Letterman in 2003? Like, what did David Letterman say and Bright Eyes with their blah, blah, blah? Like, uh, Lifted, weirdly enough, which is also cool that they play a song that's not on Lift. It's constantly cool that they do things like that. That's That's defying norms in a way that you just, you gotta love it. So this song, it has this like loop that just goes round and round. Like, you know, this is like as good as any Bob Dylan song doing the same thing. Uh, and it has no like real chorus, at least no like lyrics that repeat themselves, which I think is kind of usual for a Bright Eyes song. I remember him see- seeing him in an interview on Swedish TV in 2002. And he said like, yeah, uh, we could never be in a major label because we could never have like an outside producer come in and say like, can you repeat the chorus or like the refrain? Because like, we don't have refrains. It doesn't, <laughs> doesn't work like that. And I thought that was so, so cool uh, at the time. So you have this really cool uh, music and this like cool indie folky loop. A lot of good songs came out in like the early aughts to have this sort of indie folk loop, like the same, yeah, same music going round and round, like growing in strength, but with like different lyrics and no like lyrics uh, uh, repeating. And then this song is like all the themes that Bright Eyes sing about are just packed together in one song. It feel it feels very of that like like you said the time period when it comes out. It all makes sense, but. A lot of what he's playing with on Lifted, you hear in this song. The false advertising, method acting stuff. All of it. It's all there. <laughs> and I think it was so cool that he became a little more political with the, like, he, he did some radio thing where he played like this song, uh, Poison Oak, um, Landlocked Blues, that was called something else back then, uh, and some other song. And I was like, wow, like he's become, like now he's like really, like, I used to sit on like forums, like he's the new Bob Dylan because he sings like both about, heartbreak and like the politics of our our time and i was like i was thinking it was so cool that those things were uh combined especially i could also be like oh like i have like my indie pop part of my personality and my politics and now like i have one artist to like combine those and like <laughs> and i think yeah back when you're like 18 it's like important to be validated by the music you're listening to in other ways like wow here we have a person that like does all the things like oh if like if connor thinks politics is important then like Yes, I need I need Connor to validate that politics matters. So, yeah, that little run of lines about like the cell service and and all of that stuff is like there's a quintessential yeah. way Bright Eyes write Connor Oberst writes that he does right in that little. I don't have them right in front of me, but it's like a it's one of those things where you're like, okay, that's that phrase sounded cool, that sounded cool, that now and then you're like, next thing you know, you're like four lines in, you're like, what the fuck did he just do and say? Like, <laughs> No health insurance, no cellular service, no disease they can cure. But we need more money to burn, so each person must learn the dollar amount they are worth. And those pills make me dizzy, forgetting my body. I watch as it walks away, and I just keep drinking the poison. We have no health insurance, no cellular service. And like, what? (laughs) Yeah. 
is that like saying that some people have like you know been left behind in all this wealth growth so some people don't have cell phones or is it like the midwest having bad cell phones or i don't know i have no idea i, I think i think in some ways and connor overs could do this in ways that you could you could mark off if you wanted to or, or execute in a certain way and call it cheesy or whatever but that's just the trappings of like domestic life in a system like this type thing you know i mean yeah it could probably more it's probably more than that but it's that's part of it to me. That's like part of the picture that's being painted or the way it makes me feel when I hear it. Yeah. All the important Bright Eyes themes in one song and also some kick-ass music to go with that. Before I transition to Justin's last one, what you said, Per, about it, like not being a song that like keeps going back to a refrain chorus, which Bright Eyes does plenty of times. And this is a good example of it. Like something that you you don't have to do it, but something that really like feels good when it is done well in a song like that is to, let's say, to, to go back a year or two before this to sing for nine minutes and then eventually get to the line to love and to be loved and be like, oh, there, there it is. And the same thing on this one, when it res re resolves, the trees get wheeled away. Like when you get to the part where you're like, he says the thing, it kind of serves as your like it kind of serves as your one phrase chorus almost like, ah, that felt good. That like did a thing that I wanted and is really, really cool. All right, Justin, now let's jump over to your last one. We are jumping way ahead now. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think in order to get to what this song is really about, we kind of do need to talk about the wilderness years between uh, Casadega and uh, the People's Key, where Connor took a, an extended break from the Bright Eyes name and a break from working with Mike Mogus and wrote his first solo record, which a lot of people think is just another bright eyes record. Um, and you know, there's some really, there's some really powerful songs on there. Um, he also gets married around this time. Uh, he falls in love with, uh, a girl who speaks Spanish, which is not a surprise to me. Um, <laughs> he seems to have some affinity for that language. And, uh, <laughs> And, you know, I think I think that first solo record is written in Mexico. Um, so, you know, success wise, he's at his peak success. He's gotten married to a, a woman he really loves. He, there's some happy songs on that on that solo record. A lot of Brian's fans hate that because they, they want the angst. <laughs> but there's yeah. some actual happy, like legit happy songs on there. But it doesn't last long. <laughs> it really doesn't. And I think this song kicks off it kicks off the next decade for him um say the song name this is this is happy accident nice. off uh uh from 2010 i believe or 2009 2009 right so first of all i'm a sucker for this type of bright eye song the uh toe tapping rock song that's not quite a rock song because it's all these acoustic instruments this song kicks ass in my opinion musically i love it it's just fun and I like when they when they speed up the tempos and get like that. And it it, it brings out a certain type of delivery in uh in Connor's singing that you don't hear that often. Yeah. Like he does some goofy stuff on it. Um 
you know, some some inflections in, in his in his voice that you, you don't hear. He's having fun. He's actually having fun, but in, in a kind of uh, method acting way. It's a fun rock song. It's kind of a sequel to that kind of a state of the union angsty song. He still can't find happiness. He's got everything that that he could think of to add to his life at that point. Everything that he could have wanted to happen has happened, but he still can't find a happiness. Um, and interesting, he kind of talks about, uh, I believe, his wife's parents in this song, not his own. Or he's talking to a friend, um, talking about a friend's uh, parents. As anyone grows older, am I going to turn into the worst parts of my parents? So he's kind of mentioning that, like, you're so afraid you're going to become your mother. <laughs> it's that great line. And then there's one that hits me kind of hard because uh, my dad left when I was little. And uh, the line is, you know, maybe father does know best. And that's the reason why he left. Well, maybe father does know best. And that's the reason why he left. All your pride to the last ditch you defend. When I heard that line, I was like, I was like, oh, see, so Connor really wanted to make sure I felt this one. Jeez, <laughs> man. Wow. <laughs> um, I, like he knows what he's doing. That's a finger. That's a pushing on your soft spot it, intentionally. Um, and I'm not really sure why, because it's really about his own happiness. But he wants to make he wants to make someone else in that song feel it with him. Um, I'm guessing it's his wife, but I can't prove that. <laughs> But it, but it, but those lines, even though it's not aimed at me, it pulls me into that. <laughs> it pulls me into the song in a personal way. And um, even as things were coming together for me in a similar way, I, I got the career, got the kids. Um, <laughs> you know, it's I. But I could still, I could still feel a certain emptiness and uh, some fears that you know things could go sideways. Um, and that some of the worst parts of my uh, my family tree would would come back to haunt me. Um, yeah, if you're so you know, I I think it's it's a really interesting song because it kicks off the much darker um, decade to follow. Um, I, there's a lot of darkness in from 2000 to 2010, but really, I mean, it's most of that most of that period is him finding a lot of light in that. And uh, the next decade is really him falling back into the darkness. And this song is kind of that transition song back to that. The new age, the new age stuff didn't work out from Casadega. He thought that would help him. He <laughs> thought getting into science fiction, thinking about alternate universes on people key, people's key would help him. Um, <laughs> but uh, he, he's the journey is is well. He's he's not going to find it easily. He's coming to that that realization. He's done all the basic stuff one could do in life that should bring happiness. Um, the only other thing he hasn't tried is having kids. I hope he has one someday. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you know, I'm kind of having fun with this one because it is a fun song for me. It really is. And sometimes kind of being angsty can be fun. I'm glad that we got another one of those songs so late in the game. I, I really enjoyed that song. And and I actually hadn't listened to that one with Neva De, Neva Denova that much. And so it was cool to get into it. My Here's my one thing I'll say about this song is I really like, I, don't, I think it's, I think it's Upside Down Mountain. I can't remember which Conor Ober's solo record it is, but there's there are some bars of the verses that sound a lot like the song Enola Gay, which I love that <laughs> song. 
it's it's like kind of staggering how many songs the guy has written you know like i'm doing this thing album by album and that feels like a lot of songs that's not even half the bright eye songs and that doesn't even count the side projects solo records it's just a staggering amount of music to write that ha- that yeah. we have to have a certain level of like the gate being open so the idea of saying oh the the melody to the verses of happy accent and enola gay kind of uh echo each other a little bit <laughs> that's that's pure that's like that's me listening in one specific moment with attention that's not anything besides that <laughs> As, as you said, Justin, the part about like maybe daddy does knows best and that's the reason why he left. I think that's so that's I mean, that's like stand up comedy. That's that's amazing. Because it's so like uh, and yeah. I also think that this is like one of Connor's first attempts to be a little edgy. I think it starts a little on uh, Smoke Without Fire uh, and here and then he does it a bit more in the, like the yeah, the albums from like 2014, 2015 a bit. So I think this is like the, the first time. And also uh, that line. uh uh, too much time for the self-employed. I heard you scream in your mother's voice. Too much time for the self-employed. I heard you scream in your mother's voice. So afraid you become her. Saying to someone else like you start to sound like your mother is like that's like the lowest way of like Fuck, having an argument. Just fucking brutal thing to say. That's, like, that's going nuclear. I hope he didn't say that to his wife. I hope he didn't. <laughs> I, say I hope so it too. Wife. But like, it was all all like oh like now you're just nagging. I really like the line, the uh, you want a life that you cannot live, but that's what keeps you competitive. <laughs> you know, it's it's such an opposition to the anti-ambition lyrics from that, uh, you know, from the 2002, you know, th- this whole thing about like careers of BS and, you know, making a bunch of money to just buy more stuff is BS. But it's like, um, so I don't know if he's, if he's pointing out, um, if he's talking about himself there or if it's another one of those like, Hey, I'm poking at you. Uh, <laughs> these are faults of yours, um, which is interesting because the chorus keeps coming back to why can't he find the happiness? Well, maybe because it's he's so focused on everyone else's problems. I don't know. I just have one more thought. Uh, I think it was interesting. You said like he tried like mysticism and that didn't like heal him and then like science fiction and that didn't heal him. I, to me, when this happened, it was rather like he was going through phases. He was like, okay, what did like Bob Dylan do? Like what does like really like singer songwriter do okay first you like do politics then you do like mysticism that's like okay what's next i'm waiting for connor's born again period i want him to go full jesus music <laughs> i would love that <laughs> be hilarious bob dylan <laughs> bob dylan did do that briefly right yes that's what i that's why i mentioned it yeah, yeah, yeah if yeah. he's going down the bob dylan script I, that's common <laughs> the time for a thing like that to happen is now it seems like you can't make heads or tails of anything of any what anyone's politics means now Oh man, his, his fans would flip. They would flip out if he did that. But you know, Bob Dylan's fans did too. So it's it, it'd be fascinating. I don't think I don't think Connor's quite the chameleon that Bob was, though. Yeah, I don't know. Really enjoyed getting to all those songs with you guys, and it was like a cool experience listening to them leading up to this. Some more, with more attention than I had in a little while. As we as we outro this, we can share some more that people might want to listen to and check out. I'm gonna I'm gonna toss off. Super simple, basic one, but I I really like well whiskey in its own little way, you know. Yes. Not in a way, yeah, Love not it. In a, yeah, not in a way that needs to be like blown open and unpacked a ton. But you talk about a fun vibe, good feeling, like tap tap along one. Love that one, and then one that kind of fits in to a lot of the songs we talked about in sort of just really within that that collection of songs is I love spent on rainy days. Maybe that's me living up in Pacific Northwest, but absolutely love spent on rainy days. 
I wish I saved up for rainy days Cause they're the hardest to be dry I got no self-control I'm always begging into telephones And then I, I bought a little from my brother's friend Yeah, well, just to get me by I don't trust his cut The effect's never as high as the markup I think I'll print it in the personal So that I'm looking for a match Someone to light me up Someone to burn the proof of the things that I've done I'll, I'll throw out another B-side to Casadega. Um, <laughs> it's not even on the Four Winds EP. I think it's called Susan Miller Rag. Another fun song. Bright Eyes needs more fun songs. Bright Eyes and Connor can do fun music while, without also saying something important, saying something uh, truthful and painful. And I think bands that can pull off that that mix should do it more often and this is another one of those songs that really kind of does that it's a lot of fun i don't know why that's not on the album either um i can think of some ones i could pull off my reordered and uh uh adding in some outtakes taking out some on casadega that album is a masterpiece <laughs> but uh but yeah that's one you can't find on spotify you got to go on youtube to find it um i believe it was a i think sent out an email listing or something like that Susan Miller Rag is, is that song. Sweet. I really dig that one. Lovers Turn Into Monsters. I said that the trees could wheel away is the like essential Bright Eyes song. But if you want like Bright Eyes screaming about his broken heart, then Lovers Turn yeah. Into Monsters is the essential Bright Eyes song. Uh, Hungry for a Holiday, which is a single, which is great. Uh, I'll be grateful for this day. I'll be grateful for each day to come. That is like his first visit to like Electronica. So that is like the precursor. That was going to be one Ash. of the ones I mentioned that anyone who likes Digital Ash uh, needs to hear that song. It is one of the most dense, awesome soundscapes they ever came up with. Uh, Messenger Bird Song. His cover of Neil Young's Out on the Weekend is fun and really good. Uh, Jezebel Removes the Undesirables, which is an outtake. And I think it was on the, like, the Japanese version of Fevers and Mirrors. Very yeah. good. And finally, uh, Napoleon's Hat, which was on like a benefit album for uh, Katrina. Yeah. Uh, where he goes like full on political. is interesting and pretty different from everything else he's done. And... and uh, Goes, goes hard. Uh, highly recommend. I know a certain thing about myself, which is like, okay, artist, you put out a record. I'm going to grab your record and listen to it. And I take it as sort of like, here, you delivered me this package that you took the time to put together. And this is the record. And something about that little personality trait that I have also doesn't send me, send me crate diving in for Lucy's and B-sides and stuff all the time. I love them when yeah. I find them. I love it when it comes in the same shrink wrap as the Casadega record and I listen to it yeah. and find a thing like that. But I I think I, I can't imagine I'm entirely alone in that. And so I think it's like valuable to get recommendations like this. And like I thought I think about it like like I love Yankee Hotel Foxtrot and they they put out this like 10 album like 10 record like reissue release thing that's probably amazing. amazing. It's probably so cool. It probably has so much and I'm like I'm scared of it, you know. Oh yeah, I know. I know. But but it but it and like there's probably so much in there but you kind of got it. You got to really like have a certain kind of dedication. You got to. I mean on Summer Teeth, the Summer Teeth reissue, the best song from Summer Teeth they've been sitting on all this time. It didn't come out until the reissue. It's called Viking Dan. It's one of the most screamy, heavy things uh, they've ever done. Jeff's just screaming like a, a devil and talking about his his uh, addiction to pain uh, pills. It's powerful. I cannot believe that that didn't go on the album. It's weird. I think I think a lot of a lot of artists you were not rewarded by digging further. Like you 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 expect that the artist is going to like look at Metallica. 
Metallica is going to give you the album. That's going to be the best songs. You know it is. Yeah. <laughs> right. And and for a lot of artists, I think that's true. But for prolific people like Connor, um, it, it does it does change that dynamic. And once I get a sniff that that's the case, I I do yeah. I hunt stuff down because um, I keep getting rewarded for it. You know, it's particularly valuable for people who like to like just say, oh, I'm I'm out after like what. I'm wide awake. It's morning day. It's like, well, from, from in the immediate aftermath, you get these set of songs that aren't as you have a whole slate of songs that are not like immaculate production and outward looking um, commentary. And it's, it, the, these songs feel like those, those older songs that are sitting right there for you, you know, versions of them. So it's, it's a valuable yeah. thing to have there. If you have that position, I don't specifically, but I, I get it. What I usually tell folks is like, pick your favorite album. There's at least an EP worth of songs that are in that vein that are just waiting for you. That are just as good as whatever your favorite album is. Well put. So you know, that's how I got my sister to finally listen to the, to the B-sides from the Wide Awake and the uh, Wide Awake days. And when she heard Well Whiskey for the first time, she's like, oh my God, you were right. I'm like, yeah, these <laughs> songs are great. You got to hear them. Um, cool. Yeah. A final thing is I, I know I mentioned on the last time I was on, you know, folks should, should definitely hear true blue. <laughs> I if you want to know why listen to listen to my previous uh, conversation on it. <laughs> yeah. The, one of the, one of the early episodes of the show features Justin Corwin talking very eloquently about true blue. Listen to that episode and listen to that song. My parting thoughts is the list of songs that per came up with are amazing. Uh, it's got great taste. I'm very happy to be part of this conversation. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. That's great. Can people find you or anything you do on the internet or in the world in any place that you'd like to point them to? Can I plug some political writing? Yeah. Uh, I just finished this this morning. So bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash breaking up with capitalism, all lowercase letter. I tried to like write a long piece introducing socialism to a skeptical reader. So bit.ly, breaking up with capitalism. We'll put the link in the description for the show as well. Um, mine's not as cool. <laughs> I have a YouTube channel where I talk about music much like I did here. It's called the deep dive. Uh, you, you can find me on there, which is super cool. The thing you do on a perfect sonnet is amazing. Thank you very much. <laughs> I, I, I keep, totally I keep do. trying to get my sister to come on and do more bright eyes. I, this the, over the Christmas break, I'm going to like hounder. We need to do more. When so, you did, I'll, when you, when you commented on Reddit saying like, oh, you're going to do ones that aren't albums. I was like, oh, God damn it. I don't want to add this to my life. And then I clicked through and watched the thing. And I was like, okay, we can do it. He can talk, he yeah. can talk about it. We, we can do this. So uh, yeah, definitely check that out. All right. Well, thank you both for, for joining us. Thank you. Thanks. When all the knots of tension Keep you from getting loose Relax your love Relax your living and cruise Past the people's choice and their backwards attitudes When you've done no sleeping And all your dreams fall through Relax your rush Relax your grieving
In your eighth house is a rising moon Better get out of here soon Relax your law Relax 